Welcome to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I'm Solomon Timothy. And I am Taylor Rowe. Today's episode was all about B2B marketing and understanding which metrics uh, and analytics to track. And we specifically dove into leading indicators versus lagging indicators or lagging measures uh, and which KPIs as a B2B marketer you should be tracking, you should be measuring for your own success as well as kind of reporting um, to leadership in terms of the overall organization. Uh, are we trending or are we moving in the right direction? So got into a couple of good topics there. So hopefully you guys uh, find some value and enjoy. So Taylor, today's topic is um, metrics, uh, tracking B2B you know, campaign metrics, right? We do a fair amount of uh, B2B campaigns. Our company is a B2B company. Um, so when you're running ads, it's very hard to measure mm-hmm. because your sales cycle could be six weeks, six months, and uh, people are very anxious to see the ROI. Right. How do you break down, you know, what to, what, how do you track B2B metrics? And there's a lot that we, you know, educate our clients on, but I want to kind of go a little bit deeper on that today. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think B2B marketers specifically, a lot of times track the wrong metrics for whatever reason. As soon as we had the ability as marketers to track, track things like attribution, then it became, we're only going to put money into things that we can then track. When in reality, you have to look at kind of the purpose of marketing and some of the best marketing. You look at a brand, like how do you measure the overall you know, brand equity, brand awareness? Like some of those things are not as measurable, but way more effective at actually driving revenue, which is the end goal. So the way that we look at it with our clients is first, we have to understand the business goals and then we work backwards from there. of How do we influence those business goals and what metrics would actually indicate that we're trending in the right direction. So we can almost break it down into like leading indicators versus lag indicators. Like a lag indicator would be like revenue, right? Sure. So like that's the end result of all of the work that we're doing on the front end is we're driving revenue. Leading indicators, again, depends on campaign, depends on channel, depends on what the company deems to be important. Uh, and a lot of times this comes from leadership, right? Because if leadership is just asking you, if you're an internal marketer, you're you know an agency and you're an internal marketer and your CEO is just coming to you, he's like, okay, I gave you $10,000. Like how many leads do I have? It's probably, it's a, that's a bad culture to execute what we're talking about here, which is breaking those KPIs, those metrics into two different categories. And on the leading indicator side, some of it is measurable, some of it is not measurable. The measurable stuff, I mean, we could be looking at like awareness-based metrics. We could look at awareness metrics like just anything like views on a, a video or something impressions. along those lines, impressions. We could look at engagement metrics like shares and likes and comments. Comments to me tells a lot more about that piece of content that you created than just general views or likes, right? Sure. Because people are actually engaging. And then other things that are not really measured, like how do you put a value or a measurement on, okay, we ran a, let's say we ran a Facebook ad or a LinkedIn ad to CEOs of, you know, software companies that are between 50 and a hundred million dollars. And we only had, maybe we had a thousand impressions, but we had 50 comments and we generated a lead from that or whatever that may be the value of those thousand visitors is so much higher because we already know it's our audience. It's like who's watching, who's commenting, who's sharing, who are they tagging is something you can't really measure. But to answer your question, I would look at it in terms of leading indicators and then lagging indicators. So like I mentioned, lead indicators could be 
cost per lead, cost per click, I guess, traffic, rankings, uh, if you're looking at organic. I mean, on, you know, emails, you know, open rates, click-through rates, that kind of stuff, attendees to a webinar, wh- whatever is important to you as a business or for that campaign, but they have to have a direct correlation to those lagging indicators. And that's the biggest piece. Like, as a marketer, you can't just say, I mentioned, you know, it's a bad culture for the CEO to, you know, just harp on where are my leads, where are my leads. You can also just say, you know, trust the process. So you, there has to be a, a, a direct correlation between those leading indicators and the lag indicator, the lag measure of we're increasing, you know, overall uh, opportunities in our salespeople's pipeline, or we're closing that sales cycle much faster. We have a higher sales velocity or faster sales velocity. We have a higher average lifetime value of a customer because we're doing a better job of educating them with our leading indicators or, you know, engagement metrics and those sorts of sorts of things i think it's there's two sides where right many times when you don't get the leads they often think it's a waste of money right like they're just not even giving any value to brand awareness brand building like you said they all say well it's a common we didn't make any money right. <laughs> what, what does that mean so how do you how do you go about that that cmo that things that the only thing that matters is opportunities that may or may not even close but hey we yeah I mean, they are opportunities, but you have to look at qualified opportunities. You have to have a little bit more foresight down the road of, okay, if we have a six-month sales cycle, you can't run a test campaign for a month and then say, you know, our cost per lead went up 25%, 30%, and our volume of leads went down. Maybe it was cut in half, right, or cut into a third because of this new campaign. You have to look at that end result. Well, if the sales cycle takes six months on average, you can't really measure the effectiveness of that until, until the end of six months. And then things like brand awareness or even take longer, right? Because you're trying to build a brand. It's not done overnight. Yeah. By the way, most of the time, I think people struggle with this because they're trying to figure out how much more to budget in advertising based on what it's driving right. in terms of revenue and where should they be, right? What is the mindset? Should we completely forgo that bottom of funnel and spend more time on building top of funnel brand awareness and seeing how people are interacting with their company, to your point, that is going to drive more revenue long run anyway than, well, we got 12 leads, but since we're a new company, they don't really want to trust us. Even though we're cheaper, better, right. and everything, we're still not going to get the sale. Right. I think you say you know people don't understand that. I think they don't understand that from a digital standpoint, but they've been doing, like they do the same thing or they do the opposite rather from a traditional standpoint, right? They'll yeah. say like, okay, well, we need to see leads right away but then we'll spend fifty thousand dollars on a trade show booth right and maybe we'll do three or four of those a year if you come back with one lead or one customer from a, a trade show booth that you just spent twenty thousand thirty forty fifty thousand maybe hundred thousand dollars on right like is that the kind of campaign that you run on a digital standpoint right like, when no, it comes they're, to digital they're like we need a hundred dollar leads right like it doesn't yeah it doesn't make any sense so um and there's i would argue that there's more value more real brand awareness that could be built digitally, in, in digitally than in a man. A, you bring up yeah. a great point because you don't. Yeah. I I totally I totally get how much money people spend on just events. Forget trade show, whether you host your event or somebody else's event, it's tens and thousands yeah. of dollars with absolutely no expectation of ROI. Right. <laughs> but you turn a on a LinkedIn times, ad campaign, right. you're waiting for every ten dollars to like turn into an opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So that mind that mindset for whatever reason hasn't been adopted digitally. And I think it's because you see that success and you can 
you can assign attribution, right? Like sure. you can look at that and say, okay, we spent a hundred dollars and we generated one lead, right? So now we spent a thousand dollars, we generate ten leads. And so then every campaign, everything else needs to be exactly like that. And it doesn't make sense. Like you can't rationalize in your mind, let's start spending money digitally on something that we can't necessarily track the immediate right. impact of. Um, but I think is the wrong way to look at it. Just because you can't measure it doesn't mean it's not going to be meaningful or impactful. And I know we want to break it down to leading and lagging indicators. So the lagging is the hardest thing to do, right? Because it's going to take time. You can't measure March's number in uh, April. It depends. I mean, it depends on the sales cycle for sure. and depends on the company. But I think the better job you do on the front end in setting those those leading indicators in those lead measures correctly in prioritizing your content strategy, if you're doing a better job at A, edu- reaching your market for one, then B, educating your market, and then C, moving them on into the next stage in that sales process or that buyer's journey, in theory, and all the while, because you're leading with education, you're building brand awareness, you're building trust, in theory, you should have a more educated buyer, right? You're reaching the right person, you have a more educated buyer, and you've already nurtured them, so to speak, further in the sales process because you're educating them on what their challenges are, what your solution is, how it's going to mesh within their organization. They already trust you because you've been the one educating them, and they've seen probably case studies of what you've done in the past. So now by the time it gets to that salesperson, the sales cycle should be shorter, right? If we did all of that properly. Is- so it shouldn't take as long as your traditional sales cycle because you're doing a better job. If your sales cycle or your marketing process is let's go get a bunch of cheap leads on you know Facebook and get $2 a lead or $10 a lead. Now, all of a sudden, you're going to look at those volume of leads and you've got to filter through them. Half of them don't you know call you back. You can't get a hold of them. And then only a handful are actually you know maybe an opportunity. But then you have to explain. You may don't even remember filling out the form. So you have to explain yep. who you are. And then that sales cycle, you're starting all the way at the beginning. You got to educate, you got to build trust because they were never educated by you. They just saw an ad. So they clicked on the ad, fill out the form. They don't know who you are. So there's no brand built in brand awareness. So, yeah, the volume of leads is going to be way different. But I think the end outcome can be better, shorter, faster, and higher ticket items, higher value, high, more stickiness, right? They'll stay with you longer because you're doing the right things on the front end. So, it doesn't have to take forever. Like it depends on the channel, right? If your main focus is like just SEO, then when you put, implement a strategy, it might take six months. It might take a year to kind of start coming to fruition. And you would have that same idea because leading indicator would be our page speed and user experience, our keyword individual keyword rankings, page performance, traffic impressions, all those kind of things. And then you look at conversions and then sales. So it's going to take a while. But as an overall marketing approach, again, big picture, it will be faster to that sale, faster to that end result because you're doing a better job spending more resources up front. And I know in the, the beginning, you kind of gave those leading indicators because I, I want to focus more on that because I know that's yeah. something actionable. Everybody can go back and sure. say, well, forget the revenue part, because like I said, it's also not just dependent on how well the leads are. It's also dependent on how good my quality of my sales team is. I got to tell yeah. you, you, you can't close a B2B deal. It's not e-commerce. Yeah. So if you have unqualified sales team taking these qualified leads, you can also butcher the opportunity too. I yeah. got to be, I got to give it to both people. You yeah. Know? And it depends, right? So 
again, all theoretical, but the better you do, again, educating on the marketing side, then in theory, the, I don't want to say the worst the salesperson can be, but they don't have to know as much because you're like kind of handing it up to them. At the same time, if you're, if you don't have the right process in place, so let's say you're doing this, right? You're getting more educated, higher quality. You're further qualifying those leads before they even come through the funnel or come through the, you know, the form. And then when they do, then you hand that lead off to a new SDR who doesn't know as much, then yeah, you're, it's probably not going to be that great. Right. But those are your most precious leads, right? This probably be, like you said, someone who knows what they're doing and working that sales process. So yeah, it could be overcomplicated, but I think if it's done right, then you should be able to, to close them. But I do always need to bring that up too, because of the fact that not everybody's trained sales professional right, unless it's e-commerce yeah you it's you have very that difficult that a little bit of unknown and it just comes down to you could have the best salesperson in the world that has you know 80 percent close ratio and they're just having a bad day and all of a sudden <laughs> you don't get that deal and so that's whose fault is that is that marketing is that sales yeah i mean it well, just happens uh do so what i want to bring back home are what are some leading indicators that they okay. can write it down right yeah. now as they're listening to this podcast and say, I need to track A, B, C, D, E. Let's break it down. Just give it to them. I think from overall marketing, if you're looking at all your channels, I would look at, if you're just looking at those indicators, right? If you're trying to create a dashboard that you sure, need to exactly. report back, dashboard. it's like, I would look at traffic okay. as one, right? Because the idea is attention, it's eyeballs, it's getting my people to my website to engage with my content. So traffic would be a, a great way to look at that. And then I would also look at overall cost per lead, but I would do that with maybe a, with a grain of salt. I don't even want to say cost per lead. It depends what you're comparing to, because if you're comparing, to, you've already implemented the strategy of like, okay, we're going to just focus on higher quality. Then you can compare quarter over quarter volume sure. of leads, right? What that means in terms of actual revenue, because you already know their quality. But if you're going from this model of, we're going to gate all of our content and we're just going to run, you know, top of the funnel ebook downloads on Facebook and LinkedIn to generate hundreds of leads. And then our salespeople are going to filter through them. You can't look at volume of leads as a metric because you had a hundred and now you have 10 in a month and you know, everyone's going to go ballistics. Yeah. I would look at cost per lead or cost per, I mean, overall cost per acquisition obviously is more like a lagging indicator, but I would look at traffic and I would look at leads generated. Um, Maybe and by then channel. It, and then, yeah, exactly what I was going to say is then I would break it down further by channel. So I would look at keyword rankings. Would you care about repeat visitors? Yeah. I mean, those could be, I mean, when you start looking at some more of those right. engagement metrics, right, you can get into a little bit deeper in terms of like a high level dashboard. I don't know if that sure. would make a lot of sense, but I definitely would look at like time on site, um, scroll depth, like you e- email, said, newsletter, yeah. subscription. Exactly. Yeah. So that kind of stuff. I mean, you just have to use common sense. Again, it's not always 100% measurable. It's just what's going to be the best for our buyer? Like what is going to be the best experience? And what does that look like? We, we have like this disconnect. A lot of marketers have a disconnect between like looking at their website and looking at all these analytics as just numbers and analytics. Whereas like, if they had a traditional, let's say they had a retail store and people were walking in the door, like you would treat go them talk to them and ask them. Exactly. <laughs> like it, yeah. that's how it should look. So. Or like how many chats yeah. that you're having, exactly, yeah. engagements, right? Who left you a message on the live chat because it was not an agent online? Yeah. 
Yeah. Anything that I get can help somebody through that buying journey to get. So from I guess that be. would be the way. That would be the metric. Uh, I said, you know, leads. It depends what a lead is to you. So if you if you further have identified a lead, let's say you're a, a software company and it's demo request, right? Then I would look at demo requests. I would stop looking at you know the top of the funnel leads and trying to compare those numbers. So I would look at traffic. I would look at individual campaign metrics like cost per lead or keyword rankings or organic traffic, social media traffic, all those kind of things. And then I would look at demo requests, right? Because for a lot of marketers, that's where their job ends, right? And those, those are the metrics they're already tracking is like how many demo requests or how many leads am I generating for my sales team? But a demo request or whatever that schedule consultation, that bottom of the funnel has a better indicator that this is a quality opportunity especially if you've already focused on only driving quality traffic, right? Then by default, the people filling out the form are going to be qualified. The second half it would be the, the sort of lagging indicators, lag measures. I think this is going to tell the better side of the story, which is I would look at opportunities created, pipeline created, right? Because like you said, as a marketer, it's still up to that salesperson. But if we can, if we can agree with the sales team that once they, if it were a software company, once they go through that first qualification call, then we schedule a demo, then we're all agreeing there's an opportunity. Then as a marketer, I could say, okay, well, let's look at all of the opportunities that were created from our marketing channels. Whether you close those deals or not, right? you know, that's... At least you can see right. which channel is driving more, more quantity. Right. So opportunities created. And then another telltale sign would be like um, sales velocity, because as I mentioned, if you're closing, if you're doing a better job educating and nurturing, then you're going to close the deals faster. Lifetime value um, of a customer as well. That that would take longer to figure out because if your average customer stays with you for two years and you're trying to make that three years, or if it's you know six months, you're trying to make it one year. Like you have to wait one year <laughs> to figure that yeah. out, right? Just that stickiness, less churn, higher lifetime value, higher project size, or whatever your kind of however your business model works. I would look at those metrics and then, like I said, look at how do you influence that by your leading indicators. So if sales velocity, it comes down to better education, then look at, okay, how are we educating those prospects? Like, are they opening our emails? Are they reading them? Are they listening to our podcasts? Are they um, watching our videos? And if they are, then they should, we should see that they're more educated, they're more interested. We've prioritized them in terms of lead scoring for our salespeople, and they're closing those deals faster. I was going to say, I think a lot of this stems from knowing your lifetime value because you're going to be less stressed out on the front end because you know that it's worth investing mm -hmm. into the that perfect lead. Right. And if I'm going to make a half a million dollars, I can spend 10000 to get a meeting. Yep. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like mm -hmm. it's a qualified meeting. I, I'm not going to be like, that's too high because if I win, it's a half a million dollars. I mean, who right. wouldn't? But nobody thinks like that. Right. They're often thinking that, well, it's got to be $18 mm -hmm. a call. Like, right. where did you come up with that number right. if they're worth a half a million dollars? They come up with that number based on the law of, you know, averages from their current process. Right. So exactly. we have already bad leads. So we need a thousand leads to generate, you know, a hundred <laughs> opportunities. And then we don't close any of those opportunities. So, you know what I mean? That's true. So when you look at that and it's $18 a lead, you're like, okay, well. You know, it's going to cost us $18,000 to close three deals based on our current sales cycle. Yeah. But yeah, you could increase that cost per lead, right? Which is 18 now. 
What if it's 180? What if it's 500, right? Cost yeah. per lead. But three out of every four leads turns into an opportunity and you close 50% of those. That's what I'm saying. Is much higher. And is, you need less salespeople to facilitate and handle, you know, 10 leads over 100 leads. Um, so it all depends on the business model. But pretty much across the board in B2B, that is a huge problem because that was the model that is like the first model that companies like HubSpot, you know, kind of pitched is like, get them to in- consume your content. But in order to consume it, they got to give you your email and then you're going to email them a million times and then they're going to become a customer. And so because it kind of worked that way, that was the model. It didn't matter where those people were coming from. Just get their email address, get their email address. Now we can market to them. But even HubSpot has changed that, right? HubSpot is now say, okay, that was the model. Now we need to be buyer centric. And being buyer centric means exactly what it sounds like. Put yourself in the buyer's shoes. Everything revolves around the buyer. Just do a better job of getting your messaging, getting your information out there. And you don't, a lot of times you don't need their email address with all the cooking and all that stuff that's going on for now. Uh, I mean, you, you pretty don't, soon you, you don't know. even need their credit card. Right. <laughs> and the same idea goes, yeah, the same idea goes for what we we're just talking about. It's like the volume of lead. So let's just give an example, right? If you had a gated, let's say you had a gated webinar and you were spending a couple of dollars a click to send traffic to that webinar from LinkedIn, Facebook, and then they went to a landing page and then a certain percentage of those people are going to fill out the form for the landing page. So even if it's 10% of the people that fill out that form, now you have their email information. Of course, only a certain percentage of those people are going to show up. So by the end of it, you spend all this money to get cheap traffic and cheap clicks that only a small percentage, and 90% of them did not convert, and then even a smaller percentage actually showed up and watched your message, right? So it's more about, in that scenario, whatever that ad says, and less about what that video was, that webinar, right? Because now you have, it's like a, it's like the timeshare pitch, right? It's like you have a captive audience, they have to sit there to get their free set of golf clubs or whatever that is and listen to your pitch. But if you did it, get removed that gate and was truly buyer centric, you would say, okay, same targeting because we're targeting our audience, same cost per click. But now it's not going to be 10% that convert, maybe 70% of them are going to watch your video because you just send them to a landing page that has my video that says, this is valuable information that is going to help you and also introduce you to our brand. And now all of a sudden you had an extra, you know, 60% of the people, 70% of the people that are watching it and that are actually engaging with your brand rather than the very, very small handful of people that made it all the way through your funnel, right? Right. So, so this, you, could, you could sell more right. by giving more without asking for any information. And you also have to look at your audience, right? So if you're if you're B2B selling something big tickets, likely the C a C level type, you know, deal that you're trying to get into, unless you're selling to the secretary or whoever that may be. But even then, I mean, just look at who you're trying to sell to and who is going to fill out the form, right? So, I mean, you're a CEO. How many times do you fill out the form, right? Or Rarely. maybe you fill out the form, but you give your, you know, 18th Gmail address that you never right. look at. So, are you really being nurtured, or is it likely that you're just going to, oh, I got to fill out the form, so I'm not going to do it. It's not, it's not worth it to me. I don't want to see what this people have to offer. You move on. You forget about it. Or you fill out with a fake email just to see what happens. 
or you fill out a fake email, a real email that you never use, you use it one time to authenticate and watch the video, and then you never check that email again, so you're not getting nurtured or you unsubscribe. So it's just, that's not a valuable process for either side, buyer or the seller. I agree. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified or Maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone, right? Business go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes. Uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at OneIMS, and especially with this podcast, is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed. All right. So thank you for listening. And let's get back to our topic for today. So in that scenario, when you're not asking for anything, it's completely ungated. How would you measure right. the leading and the lag? Right. So I would, I mean, I would look at that in terms of in leading indicators, I would look at views, right? Because we're overlaying that again with the audience. We, if we do a great job in targeting, then we know that those people that are watching the video are the right audience. So we don't really care if they fill out the form because we're just trying to get in front of them and we're trying to give them information. So I would look at views. I would look at how long they're watching the video, right? The average, you know, duration that they're watching it. I would look at their overall path. So like how many of those people then after they watched the video went and looked at our pricing page or our services page or anything along those lines. And then on the lagging side, again, it, it comes down to what, which side of the fence you want to put like the leads on opportunities sure. or leads that are generated probably on the leading side. And then on the lag side, I would look at, uh, overall opportunities that were created and then actual revenue that came from if you want to look at it as a that campaign you could look at it that way but again the pieces that are missing from that is just like the overall brand awareness like you might need 5 10 15 you might need 50 touches with somebody before they become a customer or before they even fill out a form right but you can't sometimes you can't measure that like brand awareness you can't measure that like okay, I know about you and I know what the value is that you bring, but I'm not in the market right now. You can't necessarily make someone be in the uh-huh. market if they're not in the market, but you could still get referrals. from. I've, we've gotten referrals from people who are not customers of ours because That's right. their colleague asked them or they're at a dinner party at a friend's house and they said, you guys have a good marketing team or whatever that may be. And they say, you should check this company out because someone consumes our content. So like you can't discount Limit. that right. idea of building a, a a brand just because that person didn't fill out the form to watch the video. So the leading indicators, yeah, should be based more on engagement um, and visibility. And then the lagging indicators would be all all revenue-based. But I think you're still kind of short-term and long-term depending on what you're trying to accomplish. All right. Last question. Five years from now, do you think there will be any forms on a website? Um, well, if you ask someone from Drift, uh, they would say no, right? Because right. <laughs> it's all conversational marketing. It's all chatbots. Um, five years from now, I I always think there there's going to be a a you know 
request a quote or schedule sure. consultation, like the old bottom of funnel and bottom of funnel form. Other than that, there shouldn't be any good marketing shouldn't have anything other any than that. Yeah, because the the advantage of having that bottom of the funnel form is like you you need to show intent, right? And one of the trends that I've seen with clients that have the top of the funnel is like you're also then confusing the buyer, right? Because if they're now accustomed to well, if I just download this ebook, I'm going to get 50 phone calls from a SDR, you know, over the next week. You're going to get two things that's going to happen. One, people are not going to fill out the form because they know what's going to happen. Or two, they're going to fill that out and expect you to call them. And you're not going to call because there are always bad leads that fill out the form and they don't want us to call, right? So if you you need to have, hey, if you want to contact me, this is what you're contacting me for, sure. which is a sales conversation, not you know, to download this resource. If you want to learn and you want resources, Here here's all go. my resources, right? You want to ask a question, you want to chat and say, do you have resources about this topic? We'll send them to you. Um, but the people who fill out the content form, contact form, you need to know their intent and they need to know what it's going to happen once they fill out the form. So I think five years from now, that that would be it. It's just that one form. Um, and I think that the buyer will be back accustomed to like hey if i want to get in contact with them i have to fill this out not if i just watch a webinar you know someone's going to call me yeah and also i was just thinking about that quote um i just read it this morning that 71 percent of b2b buyers they're done with all their research before they reach out to the sales department 70 it's like way up then it's yeah. 50 60 now it's like right. 71 by google and all the places that they go before they actually raise their hand and ask question, there's 12 touches that they go through before they even contact. So I think that contact part is not going away, but I think the other parts are going to start starting to go away in terms right. of filling out a form or whatever. Because like you said, they don't want to get a call from a person too early in, right. that, in, that, in that research mode. Or, I mean, you're just going <clears> to <throat> disqualify yourself, right? It's like if you have a prospect on your website and they're, hopefully right if they're doing due diligence they're looking at three or four different websites so if they're looking at your website and the competitor site and the competitor site has a ton of valuable information and they spend an hour on that website watching three different videos and you know looking at their infographics and case studies and they go to your website and then you're asking them to fill out a form they might just move on i mean what what's the value there like you said they're already educating themselves and moving them along in that buyer's journey and so now they have to fill out a form to just access a piece of your information when someone else is willing to do it for free. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, eventually it will it will drive towards that. Any final thoughts on measuring B2B marketing metrics? Um, no, I, I think yeah, measure measure what you can in a way that makes sense for your overall business goals. Um, but also don't stress out too much on the numbers. Look at the intent behind those numbers, who those people are. And then again, everything that just because it's not measurable doesn't mean it's not uh, meaningful, right? So like I said, measure what you can, uh, but just think about it from a, your buyer's perspective and uh, don't stress out too much about the, the numbers. All right. That's all we have for you in this episode. As always, um, check out uh, the other episodes at oneims.com slash podcast. Send in your questions. We love hearing from you. Um, thank you so much for tuning in and we will see you next time. All right. So if you enjoyed this episode, 
Here are five things that you can do to help us. Number one, make sure you click that subscribe button so you never miss another show. Number two, share this with a friend that you know needed to hear this. And three, leave us a comment. We love hearing your thoughts, your ideas, things that you've learned so others can learn from you. And four, if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, let us know so we can put that in our notes and share our insight All right, for our next episode or the one after that. And finally, you guys, join other growth marketers, head over to oneims.com and check out all the resources that we have made just for you. I'm talking guides, webinars, blogs, videos, anything that could help you become a growth marketer. All right. So thanks a lot for joining us this week on the Growth Marketers Podcast, and I will see you next time.